Every 73 seconds, someone in the U.S. is sexually assaulted. Teaming up with community partners, both in the areas that we serve and in the larger community, we at Z Center are here to promote healing and end sexual violence. Today, we're focusing on human trafficking, as January is National Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month. Parts of this conversation might be triggering for audience members, so please feel free to call our 24-7 support hotline at 847-872-7799. Working with other agencies in Lake County always provides learning opportunities for us to become aware and more understanding of various issues, as well as resource sharing for our clients. It is important to note that sometimes language differs amongst agencies, but the information provided is critical to community awareness. Today, we'll be talking with Jean Doy of Stepping Stones Network, an agency in Lake County, Illinois, that supports survivors of human trafficking, and talk a little more about what human trafficking really is. Joining us now is Jean Doy from Stepping Stones Network. So tell us about your agency and what services you offer for human trafficking survivors. Stepping Stones is dedicated to building awareness of trafficking, preventing trafficking, stopping trafficking, and restoring women who have been caught up in trafficking, restoring mothers who've been trafficked and their little kids. We have um, one of two houses in the nation that allow mothers of traf uh, mothers who've been trafficked to come with their children and stay with us. What is human trafficking? Well, sex trafficking is the exchanging of a sex act for something of value through force, fraud, or coercion. Now the force, fraud, or coercion have to be there in order to make it sex trafficking. Otherwise, it's just called prostitution, although a lot of prostitution is sex trafficking. Now, labor trafficking is also called human trafficking. All sex trafficking is human trafficking, but all human trafficking is not sex trafficking. But sex, labor trafficking is that they have been lured into a job and then forced into bondage. And that's the same for sex trafficking. They've often been lured into something and then they can't get out. Is transportation a necessary part of the trafficking definition? It is not, although that's interesting because the word is trafficking, you'd think there'd have to be some movement, but you can move your girl from place to place and have her trafficked, but you can keep her in your back bedroom for 20 years and bring men in and it's still called trafficking. And by the way, I use the word her and she because most trafficking is done to uh, women, but there are boys and girls and men and women and LGBT that are trafficked as well. How is someone trafficked? Like, how does it start? Often starts with somebody you know, a friend of the family, someone you trust lures you into it. Somebody you've grown to know on the internet lures you into it. You become a friend. And that's often the way it happens. So when you say there's a significant level of trust or someone you trust, who are traffickers typically? They are someone you know or someone you have come to know. The root causes of trafficking are often objectification, that is uh, using someone, reducing someone to be an object. Uh, we women know understand objectification because we've always been objectified. But now it's, you know, you hear about it in your, in your songs and in your video games and in ads. And these are provocative poses that are 
that our little sisters are picking up and provoking the attention of pedophiles and pornographers and sex traffickers. And then pornography itself is a major root cause of it. And then sex abuse. Almost every traffic victim and almost every trafficker was abused as a child. Those abuses came from somebody they knew, a friend of the family. They at first trusted them, but then they became untrustworthy afterwards. Is there a difference between urban and rural trafficking? Well, not really. The venues are different. Cities have uh, massage parlors and strip clubs and tracks or streets where girls walk up and down and they can, and a date can pick them up. Uh, but it's the same victimization, the same access to internet deception, and the same root causes, objectification, pornography, and abuse. So I think a lot of the time when people think of trafficking, they think of the movie Taken or stories like Jeffrey Epstein. But what are the top countries where human trafficking is prevalent? Well, actually, that's a jam-packed question. And yes, a lot of people do think of Taken. Sex trafficking happens because of force, fraud, or coercion. And it's fraud that lures you into it. In the movie Taken, the girl went to a party. She was frauded into going to the party with someone she liked, and then she got caught into trafficking. And that's the kind of thing that really trafficking is, whether or not it's in a big scale like that. Being trapped and can't get out. And where is it? Uh, unfortunately, the United States is probably the biggest consumer of sex trafficking, followed mm -hmm. by Mexico and the Philippines. But you and I know that it's in every country in the world. Is trafficking a local problem? A local problem, yes. Uh huh. It's a local problem because there is sex abuse here and there is internet here, but the numbers are hard to come by. We, we understand there are 16 to 25,000 men, uh, women and girls being trafficked in Chicagoland every year, being sold for sex every year. Uh, and then we know in Lake County that there are a lot of massage parlors that are legitimate businesses doing illegitimate activity. Uh, we've made a map five, seven years ago of massage parlors on Milwaukee Avenue and Dundee Road, because those are the ones that advertise in those erotic ads. That map is outdated, they're all over. So there is um, massage parlors in, in uh, Lake County. There are uh, strip clubs, there are streets. We have some streets in Lake County, just as they do in Cook County, where you can uh, stand out there and um, somebody will drive by and can pick you up for a date. Oh, one other thing, uh, gangs are becoming a huge factor in trafficking. They realize that uh, it's more profitable to sell a girl over and over again than it is to sell a gun once or a drugs once. In fact, I read that um, Portland, Oregon has 49% of its child sex cases were gang involved. San Diego had 89% gang involved. We don't have the numbers for Chicago or for Lake County, but we know there are 70 gangs in Lake County. So we know that traffickers know who to target and when they should target them. What are some risk factors? Well, you're right about targeting. They're targeting people who are vulnerable. And as I said, 80 or 90% of trafficked victims have been sexually abused as a child. And when you are abused as a child, you are confused about right and wrong, about love. Is this right? Is this 
is this really love that this person was doing to me? And that kind of confusion leads to vulnerability for the girl as well as the boy. But the boy often grows up to take the role of an abuser or a trafficker. And he knows how to spot someone who's vulnerable. So people who show a vulnerability, who are uh, runaways, who are disabled, who uh, don't have a safe place to live, those are all vulnerable people, people and traffickers know how to lure them in and suck them in with promises of money and jobs and love. What are some important signs of trafficking to look for? Well, in public areas, I mean, if you're just walking in a mall or a bus station or an intersection and you see someone abusive or dominating, a man dominating a woman, controlling her, won't letting her speak and she looks afraid, those are, those are uh, attention getters for you. And if it's something that is really, really clear, not a mother scolding her kid, but something that's really shouts out, this girl needs help, you can pick up the phone and call the National Traffic Hotline any place in the United States. It's got such an easy number to remember, 888-3737-888. One more time, 888-3737-888. So you can do that in a public place. In a more personal setting, in your classroom or in your workplace, if you see somebody who is uh, getting constant calls from her boyfriend, uh, who is accompanied by somebody who just is always around, she's getting gifts she never got before, wearing expensive things that she can't afford to buy, or if she's very tired, keeping late hours, if she's cagey and deceptive and will not give you a straight answer, those are those are signs. There's some physical signs as well. Um, she might have a tattoo. You know, a lot of us have tattoos, but her tattoo might show ownership, a man's ownership, a barcode, a bag of money, your property of mine, those kinds of things on her neck or on her groin, someplace like that. How can survivors leave after being trafficked? It's hard to do that without help hard to trust anybody who even offers help. You've got to know and feel safe because you don't want to leave one frying pan to go someplace else. If she happens to be in a jail or a hospital or rehab where someone can reach out to her and offer a safe place to live when she gets out, those are good things to do. Uh, but they always say that, you know, if you're in jail and every all of a sudden all the doors are open would you rush out where would you go i mean do you trust the outside world any better than the inside world it's a hard thing to convey that trust to somebody are there long-term effects of being trafficked for the survivors very long the trauma is very deep they call it complex trauma for girls or boys who have been trafficked they've been marinated in trauma and abuse and confusion, maybe drugs for a long time. And uh, it's very hard, but we're doing more and more good things with trauma care, more and more good things with love and patience and restorative care. And then what would you recommend for listeners who want to get involved in ending human trafficking or even if they just want more information about it? Well, a simple thing to do is I'm from Stepping Stones. Stepping Stones Network 
www.ncpsf.org has a webpage and on that webpage under resources are opportunities to volunteer. You can just look at those things. Are these the kinds of things I'd like to do? I'd like to get involved in. And I usually say that almost anything you're good at, you can use to help an organization like ours or some other organization. In addition, you can just inform yourself. If you just want more information, after you look at our webpage, you can look at a lot of other web pages. There's some webinars and books, and I can send you a list of those things, Olivia, and you can have them on hand if anybody wants to send it in. So there is information out there, and uh, you can talk to you or me if you want to get more involved. Right. Is there anything else you would like to share about trafficking before we wrap up? It's amazing that it's probably the third largest money-making business in the world, and nobody knows about it. And now you know something about it. And uh, you keep alert. And uh, prevention is a good thing. We have a sexting program that we help present to kids to keep them from getting into trafficking. Because people who sext, once they break down those barriers to show off their naked bodies, those barriers are the first step. They're more they're more likely to get involved sexually in a couple of years after they first try sexting than they are if they hadn't. We have programs for men in, caught up in pornography, men and women who have sexual abuse in their background that they would like to deal with. Organizations like Z Center takes care of people who have been violently treated. I guess awareness by people. More people get involved. There's lots of things being done, good things being done, but more needs to be done. Yes. Well, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you coming out here. And I appreciate Z Center for doing this. Hi everyone, my name is Evelyn and I am the Advocacy Services Coordinator at Seasoner. Today I just want to take a few minutes to talk a little bit about the importance of self-care and also just what I do for self-care. So when it comes to advocacy, we can all agree that if you yourself are an advocate, you know how much we love to do what we do and we always put our heart and all of our passion into what we do. Sometimes, you know, it can be very easy to forget about what's left of us, right? So that's why it's so important to care about ourselves so we give a lot and we have to make sure that at all times we're also not only giving to others but giving to ourselves and I think sometimes that might be some people might see see it as selfish right because we we love to give but at, at the same time how I like to look at it is that if we give a lot and we're not refilling ourselves with anything then we're gonna be left empty and then we're gonna burn out and we're not gonna do this thing that we love to do that is advocacy so it's super important for us to take care of ourselves and I just want to take a few minutes to talk about what I do to take care of myself. So every day looks different, right? And there are days where taking care of myself might look like doing completely nothing, just literally laying on my floor and looking at the roof and just doing nothing, right? Sometimes we need to do that. We all also know that trauma is carried in our bodies not obviously for for survivors but also us as professionals we carry that vicarious trauma and i've noticed um, i've become more conscious with my body so there are times where like my shoulders feel very tense or just physically i feel really off and that to me is a huge signal that there's a lot going on with myself at that moment and i need to do something about it so i have found that yoga has really helped me tremendously just being able to stretch and even you know deep 
breathing is a huge thing in yoga and just being able to be present. I've noticed that that has helped me a lot. Another thing that I like to do is also to read. So especially any Latin American author that you can throw out there, I will. I love literature. So I just love just sitting on the couch, you know, reading with some tea. So these are the ways that I like to take care of myself. And I just want to encourage you to also find ways that you enjoy caring for yourself. Your ways might be a little bit different than mine, and that is totally okay. As long as you're caring for yourself, that's all that matters. Z Center, or the Zacharias Sexual Abuse Center, is located in Lake County, Illinois. Our mission is to provide a place where survivors of sexual assault and abuse can heal and to mobilize the community towards action to end sexual violence. We offer counseling, medical advocacy, legal advocacy, a 24-7 support hotline, prevention education in public schools, community outreach, and professional development training. Our vision here at Z Center is to create a community free from sexual violence. We work toward this vision with the core values of being community conscious, relationship-centered, and results-oriented. These services are provided in partnership with the survivor in the spirit of equality, free from judgment or oppression. We believe that individuals we serve are entitled to respect, accessible services, privacy, empowerment, and advocacy. Z-Center services are free and available to all survivors, regardless of race, gender, language, ability, sexual orientation, or religion. Z-Center also seeks to be an active presence in the community to speak up in support of and in partnership with all survivors of sexual violence. Z-Center provides services to the community at large and to other professionals and service providers to enhance the real understanding of the impact sexual violence has on everyone. Z-Center supports clients in healing from trauma and works to lessen their risk from future victimization. Individual, family, group counseling, we provide these to survivors of sexual violence of all ages and their loved ones with supportive listening, advocacy, information, referral services. Our individual, family, and group support sessions are currently available in English and in Spanish. Our services are provided from a trauma-informed and culturally grounded practice model. Our counselors use a client-centered approach to help create an empathetic relationship. Our goal is to create a safe space for survivors to connect with and explore their feelings. Also, we want to reduce the impact of trauma, increase protective factors, and rebuild a healthy capacity in relationships and responsibilities. Z-Center offers medical advocacy in all emergency rooms in Lake County. We provide support to the survivor and his or her family throughout the medical process. Our medical advocates can be present at the hospital during a survivor's medical examination any time of day. Our medical advocates provide information and assist survivors in understanding their options. Medical advocates also provide follow-up services, such as follow-up phone calls and crisis counseling. At Z-Center, we offer all services to any survivor who requests our assistance, regardless of gender. We absolutely assist male survivors and male loved ones of survivors in the medical, police, legal, and support line advocacy programs. We also always offer compassionate care to all gender identities in all of our services. In our outreach team, Z-Center strives to affect change through educating children in the community with age-appropriate sexual abuse and sexual assault information. We offer school prevention programs for preschool through 12th grade, 
and also offer programming for higher education institutions. As we start this podcast, we'd like to thank you for choosing us. We know you have many podcast options and we appreciate you trying ours. Check back for a new episode each month. We'd like to start with a motivational minute, a way to look at something encouraging happening in the world of sexual assault. Sounds impossible, right? We hope you are surprised by many of the uplifting stories out there that highlight the resiliency of survivors and the innovations of allies. This month, we'd like to share the development of the K-Number tracking system for rape kits in Illinois. Whenever a patient in the emergency room requests an evidence kit, hospitals then offer a nurse or doctor to do that exam. We sometimes call this a rape kit or an evidence collection kit. Previously, patients would leave the emergency room and have no way of knowing where their kit was sent or what its status was in the investigation. Now, patients can track their kit status. The hospital gives the patient the unique K number, which can be entered online at https semicolon backslash backslash paets dot isp dot illinois dot gov forward slash to check this kit status at any time. Checking on your kit with a K number is not retroactive. You cannot check on the status of an old kit. However, this does give hope to survivors moving forward. This has been your motivational minute, moving us all from here to healing. Catch 73 seconds on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Find out more at zcenter.org. And if you're in immediate need of support, you can always call our 24-hour support line at 847-872-7799.